This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. In this week's In-Ear Insights, we're talking strategy and stack drift. So if you've never heard the term before, it's because I just made it up. Uh, <laughs> stack drift. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll back up. I was spending some time uh, this past weekend looking at my own MarTech stack. I have my own newsletter and a personal website, and I was looking through my instance of Tag Manager, <clears throat> and there was just a lot of cruft that had accumulated, um, some optimizations I hadn't done, a server I hadn't upgraded, and a bunch of these little technologies and services. And what I realized was that I had set up all this stuff you know, back when we were working at our old company and things, and I had a very specific strategy. And that strategy was, I want to build a lifeboat for myself in case the company we were working at didn't work out. I want to have something that was my own um, and that worked really well to, to build my personal brand. Well, obviously, in the three years since that, we founded Trust Insights together. Um, the company I now work for is one that I actually believe in. And so the urgency of having that lifeboat is, is much less. And so I had all this extra marketing technology that was misaligned with my new strategy. My new strategy is to promote the company because you and I co-own this thing. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't a need for it to be as church and state as it used to be. And so all these retargeting technologies and stuff, I just started turning things off like, oh, I don't need that anymore. I, you know, had some honest discussions with myself like oh look there's my facebook retargeting pixel how many facebook ads have i run in the last three years zero off right. um, and so it was kind of a an eye-opener to go wow this martech stack is a snapshot of where my mind was three years ago or more than that in some cases but it's so out of alignment now with my current strategy that I really should have turned off a whole bunch of things a long time ago. It's interesting. I, it's this whole notion of letting go. And so it's the same, like I sort of, I equate it to when, you know, people are asked to, you know, audit their closets and what things do you need to let go of? And so, you know, this was something that uh, I, so full to, I love throwing things out. Like, I think it's the greatest thing. And I'm not just like throwing things out, like I'll donate them, I'll recycle them. So let's be clear about that. But, you know, it just frees up space for new things, for other things. And so what I often see when, you know, if I'm working with someone either like to audit their technology, audit their teams, or even just like audit their closet, it's, well, what if I want it tomorrow? What if I need it next week? Well, I know I haven't touched it in six years, but I just remembered that I have it what if I, what I suddenly wanted again. And so it's interesting that you're describing, you know, where your mind was three years ago versus where it is today. And you're right. It is a very different place. A lot of, a lot has happened. And first and foremost, I applaud you for just like letting things go and shutting them off because it doesn't mean that you've deleted them forever. You could turn things back on if you need them. But for right now, it's just taking up space. And I think that that's one of the things that companies need to do a better job of, especially when it comes to their MarTech stack, because priorities change, teams change, technologies change, processes change. But if your tech stack doesn't also change, then you've basically just spent all of that time planning and, you know, plotting and, you know, saying you're going to do the thing. But it's, it's to your point, it's a misalignment. And so, you know, 
where like is there one is there a good time frame to do that like is there like a cycle or a seasonality and two you know why do you think people have such a hard time of letting go of some of that old stuff chris um i think part of it is fear you know, mm-hmm. what if I do need this? Um, it's the same reason that you keep all these things. Some things, uh, less so with marketing technology. I mean, some people like have stuff because of sentimental value, right? Nostalgia sure. and things like, oh, this was the, you know, my high school yearbook. Um, that doesn't apply for MarTech for the most part. I mean, I guess you could really love a piece of technology, but probably not. Um, but I think it does come down to fear and and a whole bunch of like, what if? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? You know, I won't have these things. And in the case of marketing technology, um, a lot of the time, each of these little services is relatively little money. And so you you think of it in its own little domain. Like, oh, this is only $49 a month. Well, $49 a month times 20 services adds up after a while. But we don't necessarily think that way. We consider each item discreetly as opposed to collectively. What is this thing costing? In my case, it was actually a page speed. So even though Tag Manager runs asynchronously, there's still things that run um, as your page loads, and it takes time for the container itself to finish firing. And so one of the things I want to do is, okay, well, what can I do to make my personal website run faster? Well, probably turn off the 40 tracking pixels that you know we're, we're launching each time. We ran into this um, uh, last week uh, with the Trust Insights newsletter and social media accounts. Our link, sh- our, our link shortener is working fine, but our, the retargeting audience we were using um, was was breaking. And I, I had another sit-down moment of, have we ever run an ad through these retargeting pixels? Like, we've been accumulating this audience for three years. I'm like, no, we actually never have once re- used these tracking pixels for the internet purpose. So I just pulled that out of our code. and like, okay, we're not going to do that anymore because... It, it's an added step. It's an added mm-hmm. vulnerability to the system. It's, some, it's something else can break, and it's not as good an experience. And uh, you know, now things run a little bit faster, but there's one less dependency. One of the things that I feel like it was part of this mindset is when I look at the world and see how much of the world's supply chains are breaking right now between hurricanes and pe- canal closures and stuck boats and pandemics. Um, people are realizing just how interconnected everything is and how exposed you are to other people's risks. So if we can do that with our own marketing technology stacks and just how much risk can we reduce of something else breaking that may or may not add a whole lot of value that it's kind of like what you talk about a lot, Katie, which is, you know, what's the risk versus what's the reward. If there's minimal reward Mm -hmm. and substantial risk, get rid of it. Yeah. No, I think that's a good way to approach thinking about, your MarTech stack. And so I want to go back to something that you just said that just really struck a chord with me, which was, you know, being dependent on other people's stuff and their risk. And so if their stuff is breaking, you know, and so, you know, it's interesting. Very few companies, ours included, can 100% make their own stuff. And so we can't, we don't necessarily have the resources to make our own CMS or our own, you know, email marketing software. And so we are reliant on other companies to provide that piece of technology. But to your point, Chris, the more different things you have, the more vulnerable you are if something happens with that company, especially if you don't have a good sense of what touches what, what goes where, 
and the breakdown. And so it sounds like what you're describing is what would be helpful is some sort of a governance plan to understand what you have, what it does, who owns it, both internally and externally, and then some kind of business continuity planning of, let's say, for instance, you know, so we use Modic and Modic is, uh, you know, a fairly complex system for a non-technology person, but the trade-off is that it's open source and you have control over the code in it. Uh, so we use that for our email marketing. Um, you know, something that we would need to factor in is the risk and reward. So while we have more control over it, the risk is if you, Chris, suddenly decide you don't want to do it anymore, or if Modic suddenly shuts down everything, we need to figure out what's our backup plan. Where do we move to? And so it's just, you know, there's nothing for us to do with it today, but having a full understanding of, okay, if Modic suddenly goes away, what does that mean for our email marketing? What can we pick it up and run it through a different system tomorrow? If not, you know, what does that mean? So just understanding how all of those different pieces connect, especially when we think about, you know, our customer journey and our attribution model, email is such a big channel for us that it would be a huge problem if that suddenly went away or if something broke even, you know, for a few days or a week, that's a lot of our traffic and conversions that we would lose. It is. I, one of the reasons actually for Modic was, well, a big part was cost, obviously, because it, it is substantially less expensive. But there is that element of the fact that it's it's open source software that we run on our own server. It is mm -hmm. not something that is a cloud-based service. So uh, if it breaks, it's my fault. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Whereas like if you're using, say, like a MailChimp and they have a service outage, you can't do anything about it. Like you, you're stuck until they come back online. And so, you know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago with a system like Matomo, sort of being your backup to Google Analytics, mm -hmm. you should if resources permit, have an like an open source self-hosted alternative waiting in the wings, like a disaster recovery kit ready to go in case a primary system goes down. Now, in the case of you know the you know the strategy question, right now, you know, the use of Modic is as as our marketing automation system really is a central part of our strategy. Like you said, it's mm -hmm. where like close to 70% of our conversions come from. Um, a big thing that we have to be looking at is, you know, what do we need to be doing to diversify that so that it, we're not so reliant on the one channel? Because right now, our it, it's a it actually is a very good reflection of our strategy. Our strategy is build a really good audience mm -hmm. and then try to monetize as best as we can. Um, I don't see that changing, but I what I do think is an issue is how can we get more than one channel that we own. Um, mm -hmm integrated into our customers' lives. So we have Slack, you know, mm -hmm. the uh, the free Slack group analytics for marketers, which you go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. You can join there with 1,900 other marketers. Yeah, commercial plug over. Uh, <laughs> we don't <laughs> we do not do anything with, uh, with um, Discord right now. Uh, it's something to think about. I don't know that our audience is there. We don't do anything with text messaging. Um, and the reason for that is it's substantially more costly. Um, mm -hmm. Email is fundamentally free. And obviously we have our our various email publications. But the, you know, the other question is, what else could we be doing um, in something that we own that would be aligned with our strategy? And what technologies do we need to do that? Because 
one of the mistakes that I know I've made a ton of times is I pick the technology before I pick the strategy. And then the strategy kind of, kind of evolves out of, of the, the, it's like, you know, you, you buy a certain number of appliances, then you can, you can cook whatever you can make with those appliances, uh, as opposed to saying, I'm going to cook sushi, and then you get the appropriate ingre- uh, equipment to do it. For those of you who are listening and not watching it on YouTube, you definitely missed some of the faces that I was just making when Chris was describing <laughs> that he picks the technology and then he picks the strategy. And so, you know, I think, but I think it's fair. I think that's a classic problem because it's it's a very common approach and it's not the Band-Aid approach. It's the, okay, we need to start, we need to run email. Let's get an email marketing piece of software versus let's step back and look at everything holistically. What do we already have and what do we want to do? And then we can fill in the gaps. And so that's something that, you know, we, Trust Insights, you and I, Chris, uh, should be doing a little bit more of moving into next year of, okay, we know where we're at today. We know that we are over-indexed on email. So here's some other alternatives and here's some directions we want to go in. What do we already have? I would, I would go ahead and say we probably already have all the tools we need to, to diversify our strategy. What we don't have is the actual, like, here's what we're going to do with these tools. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, increasing our content production. So we already have a lot of content through the newsletter, but maybe it's, you know, getting that content out into different channels. And so we already have all the stuff to do that. But I think what happens a lot of time is, you know, if we were in an enterprise size company, for example, where it's harder to see all of the different moving pieces and we're kind of just sort of siloed, we might say, okay, we want to increase content production. Well, I don't know what we have. So let's just go ahead and get some kind of content marketing software, whatever that is. Let's get a bunch of writers, you know, let's get a new CMS. uh, Let's do all the things so that we can produce content. When in actuality, you already have a lot of content that you can repurpose and refresh. You know, you own your search because you control what people are searching for. You control the content that you're producing and you don't necessarily need a whole bunch of new writers. So it's really, instead of, you know, thinking about it of let's create a new strategy it's the reverse of let's audit what we already have and what do we already have to work with and then fill in the gaps. Um, you know, I was commenting before we started recording this podcast today that I do think strategic planning, and I'm putting this in big air quotes, in some ways is kind of bullshit. And the reason I say that is because companies use it as the clean slate. Let's start over. Let's forget everything that happened in the past. It doesn't matter. We're going to start fresh with a brand new strategy and we're going to, you know, just disregard everything that we already have. And I feel like that's the wrong mindset to go into thinking about what you want to do next year. And so it's really ideally what it should be is here's all the good stuff that we have. Is it working? Do we need to tweak it? Do we need to just move in a slightly different direction? And let's not make a big deal out of it. Let's just go ahead and start doing the thing. And I think this idea of strategic planning becomes such a big, you know, blown up, like has to be meetings and days and workshops and this and that and outings and events, like just go do something. I think that you're right. 
strategic planning is almost like trying to do too much all at once. Um, it's like you're going to quit smoking and lose weight and start working out and you know go to church and you know you know stop beating your spouse all at the same time. And it's all these things. It's too much change all at once. Whereas if you think about like cooking, I'm going to go back to cooking. You have your recipe, you have your ingredients, you have your tools, you have your talent. These four big things. Changing all of them by saying now we're going to be at a sushi restaurant. We were a pancake place yesterday. Now we're just serving sushi. It seems like a, a really big leap that you're probably going to fall on your face as opposed to saying, okay, here's what we have for tools. Here's what we mm -hmm. have for ingredients. Here's what we mm -hmm. have for people. And what you're saying, at least what I, I hear you saying is what other recipes could we cook with what we've got? What else could we cook? So we serve waffles, but we haven't served pancakes. We could try doing burgers. I mean, burgers are, are functionally not a whole lot different. You need a, a you don't need a, the, the waffle iron for everything, but if you have a griddle, um, you can make burgers pretty easily. You know, it's it's still a piece of, of you know, it's round food so just sort of stacked together. It's a slightly different format. Uh <laughs> I do not want you to do marketing for my restaurant, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Katie's Round Objects. <laughs> um, but the point being this, it's less of a pivot mm -hmm. and it's less culture shock for the people it's less expense because you're not going to have to throw out a whole bunch of tools um, and it's less pain when you it, particularly in in data-driven marketing where you're basically saying like if you make that big strategic leap great all the data you now ha you have so far you have to throw out if you've changed your strategy that much then all the information you've collected probably isn't valid for for the new scenario whereas if you're saying okay we are a uh, a a communications company that you know uses the we sell cell phones well maybe you sell uh text messaging now too maybe you sell um you know monitoring your your vehicle like hey here's a transmitter you put in your vehicle still uses the cell network still uses uh the data plan still uses all the infrastructure you've got but it's another value add for service it's just a different recipe with the same thing and i think if if you approach strategic planning that way and saying what recipes do we have are they selling well like nobody wants pickle waffles, so I get, we should probably take that off the menu. Um, what else could we put on in its place? Then you could try and find what customers might actually want. That's exactly it. It's I really like that analogy of, you know, what recipes you're already cooking and what other recipes haven't you tried that you can make with the same things. And maybe you add one or two different elements, but you're not overhauling everything all at once. And so to go back to where we started the conversation, which was the MarTech stack and the stack drift, you know, so where you were, you know, three, six years ago and where you are today is different mentally, but at the core of it, you're not doing different kinds of work. You're still doing the same attribution analysis, predictive analysis, you know, machine learning, you know, data crunching, all those things, you're still doing that. And so you're taking all the same ingredients and tools, you're just looking at it differently now. And so I think that that's, you know, as you were going through, I'm like, okay, I am no longer going to make pickle waffles. I no longer need pickles. So therefore I'm going to shut off the Facebook, you know, retargeting pixel, you know, I think it's the same thing. You're not necessarily tossing out all of that data. You're just saying, I'm just going to put this aside for now. I don't need it to be constantly 
on the shelf and in my way and running. I'm just going to, you know, stick it over there. If you did decide all of a sudden, like, let's say six years ago, you were like, I'm only ever going to do Facebook ads. That's it. That's all I'm ever going to do. And today you're like, I haven't touched Facebook ads in six years. Then that is a different conversation. And you do need to think about like, okay, but what am I doing instead? Do I have all the right tools? Do I need to sunset these things? And to your point, Chris, what do I do with all of that data that I collected? And that goes into, you know, that strategic planning, you know, for moving forward. Like I have all this stuff. What, what else can I do with it? So I've collected all of this data for six years. Is there mm-hmm. anything valuable there? Is there anything I can repurpose with it? As opposed to what I see a lot of companies do is let's start fresh. And I think it's that start fresh mentality that really bugs me because you waste so much time and energy and money trying to start fresh versus using what you already have to just slightly adjust. And this is the corollary to our uh, live stream from a couple of weeks ago of solutions in search of a problem, mm-hmm. which is if you've got the stuff and you're already, you know, you're already making waffles and things, it's okay to see, okay, well, let's try making pancakes. They're, you know, structurally similar enough and see if there's a there there, sort of the R&D side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking at your MarTech stack and you've got all these tools, ask yourself, is there something else that you could make with it that would be more valuable you know, to, to what you're doing? And if there isn't, like in the case, in my case with, you know, Facebook retargeting pixels, like, yep, I'm, in all honesty, I'm not going to run any Facebook ads. I don't want to give a, you know, a dime to, to that company because I don't particularly like them or trust them. And so I'm okay just turning off. I'm, I'm not going to make you know, Facebook waffles. Uh, just take that out, out, of, out of the contention entirely. And that, mm-hmm. to your point, makes room, um, certainly cleans up Tag Manager a whole lot. And it also helps clarify strategy because... Mm-hmm. If there's a choice that's out there, even if you know it's a false choice, it still costs you mental bandwidth to to say, oh, well, what if we did this? Well, no, take that off the table. Pretend it's just not there. Now you have fewer choices, but they're more valid choices. And it's easy to make choices from what's left as opposed to saying, well, here's all the things we could possibly make. um, And then getting distracted I was having, it reminds me, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and her company is going through a MarTech stack uh, overhaul, essentially. And so, you know, this notion of single view of the customer is very, you know, hot right now. It's, It's one of the key buzzwords that everybody's talking about. And I asked her, I'm like, well, what does that mean? What are you doing? And so they're go they're going from like 12 different tech stack systems down to one. And I just, I looked at her, I'm like, that's a behemoth of a project. Like, good luck. Because mm-hmm. they're going from systems like Salesforce and Constant Contact and, you know, start listing off all the key players down to one single system that is meant to do all the things. And I know these systems well enough to know that that's not necessarily true. And so I think that that also sort of factors into the conversation, you know, of thinking through what do you have, what do you want to do, but then you need to do your research and due diligence, you know, so there's two sides of that conversation. One is, you know, can you condense down your systems with the stuff that you already have because you haven't explored all of the functionality of your existing systems 
And, or if you're moving to a new system, does it do exactly what it is you needed to do? Or are you just saying, okay, that's the one that everybody uses. I need to use that as well. And then you get in it and realize that you have to pay by the feature or the feature or the functionality that you wanted just truly doesn't exist. Um, you know, I was talking with my mother-in-law last week and she was duped into buying one of those tablet slash laptops that when you close the lid, it turns into a tablet because she wanted to read her books on the tablet and not have to bring a separate e-reader. And so she thrust it at me and was like, why doesn't it work? You fix this now. So I was like, okay, let me take a look at it. And I spent about 30 seconds Googling the problem. And it, unfortunately with that particular laptop, it was a little bit of a bait and switch. When they promoted the laptop, they said it will do the thing, but the feature itself was never rolled out. And so she purchased this machine that doesn't do what it is she wants it to do. So now she's stuck with a piece of hardware that she can't use because it doesn't let, and it just, I see this with MarTech stack decisions as well is you don't do enough of the research. You don't ask the question to say, will it do what I need it to do? Yep. Get your mother on an iPad. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I got enough going on. I don't need to be her tech support. <clears throat> yeah. So to conclude, your strategy probably should come first. Mm -hmm. um, and then look at your stack and see what of those things lines up with it. What of those things could line up with it? And then what are those things that frankly just aren't aren't in uh, on the path that you're going? Uh, and then as best as possible, leave those things behind as quickly as you can if, they co if they're costing you money. Um, and then remove them from your strategy with understanding that these are all, a lot of these things are cloud-based services. So if you change your mind or you change strategies, you can always go back. Uh, you mm -hmm. can always, you, you'll have a data gap, but that's not the, the end of the world. But definitely do some house cleaning. You know, we're, we're it's September 1, it's back to school. You know, clean out the, the, the kids' backpack, dump all the crap that they left in there, you know, in, in May or June when they stopped going to school, you know, clean put everything fresh and, uh, and give yourself that fresh start on your marketing technology as you head into the fourth quarter and the end of the year. If you've got questions or comments about anything we've talked about today, hop on over to our free Slack group, Analytics for Marketers. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 1,900 other folks are talking about all things marketing and analytics related. And wherever it is that you're watching or listening to the show, uh, if there's a channel you'd prefer to have it on, we probably have it. Go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where you can see all of the options. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Need help making your marketing platforms, processes, and people work smarter? Visit trustinsights.ai today and learn how we can help you deliver more impact.